Do you like love? Are you a night owl? Then late night love is a place for you. Since life is negative enough, here we discuss everything love. What we love, who we love, and why we love. So join us on Saturday nights at 11.30 p.m. Pacific Time. And please remember, love everybody. And thank you all for joining us on another trip down late night love. It, I am your host, James Just. We have the wonderful Lubby over there answering the love line. Well, at least clicking the button on the love line anyway. And, and we hope it works. <laughs> we actually tested it. But, you know, when these things go live for the first time, you never really know. We got to love technology, don't we? Okay, so the first thing we asked last week was, we had um, love songs, and you had one. The first song you ever sent to me. Yes, but I don't remember the names of songs. L O Cool J, you and me. See, and I wish YouTube wouldn't put a strike on us if we didn't if we play music. I can't play a clip. We can't play. No, I have to get like a license. Now I could buy pay for a license, and we may might do that come in the future where we can just buy a license and we can play whatever we want but i mean theoretically you're supposed to be allowed to play a certain amount of time fair use and all that but you know i could put it in this display and use but their algorithm catches it you get stuck and then it's a whole pain in the ass and it's just not worth it um yes that's the first song you ever sent to me so you guys want to go look it up you can go down and look up uh late night love by l cool j and uh, Kelly Price. Is, you and me. Yeah, you and me. It's Eloquent Jane Kelly Price. What's the what's the duet? Well, on that one. Um somebody else sent us one. Which one was it? My daughter. Well, you didn't have to name who it was, but yes. It's a wonderful life. And I think to myself. It's, it's a, a wonderful, it's a wonderful, wonderful world. world. It's a wonderful it's life. A wonderful, that's just sticking. That's, that's your movie. That's, that's a Christmas movie. That's a Christmas movie that you love and I love to now hate, but because I only have to watch it a bazillion times. <laughs> but it's a wonderful world. So there's that one. My mother meant to send me one, but I think she forgot. There's probably some Neil Diamond song to be honest. But if I were to guess, my mother. It's. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a Neil Diamond song. I'm um, <laughs> probably wrong, but it's a it's a pretty good bet. If I'm gonna take a play percentages, we'll play Neil Diamond. Um, I'm not actually all that great on songs, remembering songs. I do have that one music video I like. It's oh god, who the hell sings that stupid one? Maroon Five, that Maroon Five, yeah, that's the best because the video is fun where they go around and, and they kind of pretend to raid uh, sugar, yeah, sugar because that's just a fun music video. I don't like it on the radio, but I like watching it on the music video. It's a fun music video because the music video is actually fair, it's close enough to be true. Now, wait a minute, they go around to weddings, yes, to weddings. You watch videos of weddings, no, I watched that video because that's a fun video. It's just the video is fun. It's a fun video. And, of course, my teary ass, I cry, I tear up at everything. Well, because some of those reactions are genuine because the whole. They are. Because the they whole story. Genuine. It's it's quasi true. They didn't do it over a weekend. They did it over a couple of weeks. But most of them was a surprise. Only like one or two people on the wedding party knew. So the so either the bride or the groom was always surprised. And sometimes both of them were genuinely surprised because it was a father-in-law or, or a. <laughs> You know, or the best man, or somebody else, kind of set it up, and so, and so, it's close enough to be true that it was, you know, it's kind of fun. And so, some of that genuine emotion is real. Now, of course, they cut in a bunch of stuff that's not real, but enough of it is real that it's kind of fun. You can tell some of those reactions are genuine, and it's just kind of fun. And you know me, I'm a I'm a sap when it comes to that kind of thing. I tear up at the drop of a hat. 
both happy and sad. I really am. I'm just, uh, I'm kind of a teary, I'm a teary person. I'm an emotional guy. Leave me alone. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> it is what it is. I can control it. What do you want from me? All right, let me make sure I've got There's our Anchor FM currently. I think, or did I change it? I think I actually changed our Anchor FM. Anyway, you can go to our Anchor FM. Uh, page let me make sure and you can actually leave us a message on the anchor fm page you can call us on the love line 916-913-9767 to about twelve thirty on saturday nights that's p.m to sunday morning you know how that stuff works unless you're on the east coast then i guess it's all sunday morning isn't it you know, if you're in Hawaii, hey, we're st- you're still in Pacific time. You guys, you know, we're all, we're sitting here in California, so you know, it's it's uh But frankly, most of you are going to be listening to this on the podcast, so it's all Pacific time. You guys know how to do the math. We're all smart here. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. It's late lighting up now. Watch this. We're going to have to change this on the fly. Do, do, do. Edit. I apologize. Don't you all just love it when we all do this stuff on the fly like we know what we're doing? And no, we don't. And there we go. You can go to Anchor FM slash Late Night Love, and you can leave us an a audio message, and we can play it. We can listen to it. We can answer any questions you guys might have. Or you can call us. If you call us live, you can call us on the love line. One nine one six nine one three nine seven six seven. I think we can just turn the number off and turn actually get messages on that too. Um, we'll have to check into that. I just got the Skype number all set up, so you, it's it's all sterile, it's still new to us, and we only have about three hours a week to do this because of everything else we do. So we're still learning. So give us a so please for the love of. Us, <laughs> uh, give us a kind of a little slack as we learn our way through this. You kind of, you know, most people do this behind the scenes and they practice and they give do about 10, 12 dress rehearsals and they get all set. Not us. We just take the curtains off and we do it. We learn on the fly because why not? You get the benefit of no one's watching the first few times anyway, so you might as well do it live. Okay, so. Where are we at today? We had, actually, I did have a description of what the heck we were talking about today. Um, but I don't remember. I actually don't remember what it is. Ah, favorite love songs, which we did, and there was a romantic date in that question that you sent us, that list of questions, something about romantic dates. I just crossed that off because I didn't want to ask you that. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but I thought it would be funny. Are you ready? (laughs) I thought it would be funny. I was sitting here trying to laugh at myself, trying to figure out what the hell is a romantic date. All right, what kind of date would you consider, would you... Oh, me consider or okay. Consider romantic. Plan a romantic date night together. We should plan one. What do you consider? A what romantic do I consider? Time? All right. Well, here's a question for the for the audience. We're gonna we're gonna do this right here live. What do you? I owe you. For a romantic day. And there is the banner. Banner. Yeah, I apologize for me sitting here doing all this while I'm sitting here tight top talking, but it is what it is. Okay, so what do I consider a romantic date? Okay. I don't date. <laughs> 
So uh, you're asking, we were really asking the wrong question. And I hope I can spell. Um, Because I don't think this thing has spell check. So what do I consider a romantic day? Uh, let's see. Didn't we have a romantic afternoon this week? What I consider, well, I guess it, you're going to have to first going to have to find romantic. Because everybody defines kind of romance in their own simple way. Like, I'm never going to find a candlelight dinner and stuff romantic simply because I don't like food. And so for me, that's not going to be romantic because I'm going to be uncomfortable the whole night. Because of my relationship with food. But for me, you know, sitting around. I don't know. We have romantic evenings all the time when we're out like camping. And we're doing nothing, and we're just kind of hanging out, not doing nothing, or we just kind of take a little, little stroll. We don't do dates. I don't know. Was our was our date with the nice air quotes there for those on the podcast? Was it was our date even romantic? Which one? Well, could you would consider the on way Wednesday this Wednesday or no. the first time we met. Any of the first, there's actually only one date I would actually consider that was vaguely, vaguely romantic, and that's when you drug me up to the cliff and you and you made me feed you strawberries or whatever the hell that was. You invited me. Oh, you pink fibber. <laughs> what do you mean I invited you? No, you manipulated me into inviting you, and I let you do it. It was. I a don't know what? Oh. <laughs> okay, manipulate is a strong word. You led me down to the thing where you want you let me know what you wanted you preferred me to do because I didn't know what to do on I didn't know where to go. You drug me to that place. I didn't know that place existed. You took me there. I thought that was just a little outing. I didn't really consider it a date. We watched the sunset. Yeah, but I'm just saying that's the most romantic date that, type that thing. Romantic. That's the most most romantic date type thing I can say we deliberately done. I've deliberately done. What about when we first met? That was romantic. No, me sending you home was romantic. No, going and shooting targets and we laid out on the grass and... No, the only thing romantic about that night was me sending you home. That's the way I sent you home. It's the only thing romantic about that night. It was. And that was actually, you took me to Folsom. You took me window shopping to Folsom. And that was actually that was actually quite romantic, by the way. I just want to like to point this out. Well, the way I sent you home that day. It was quite romantic. I'm just saying that's one of those rare times that, that kind of thing pops out of me. But it was fun, you know. Just me being me, so I guess that counts. I don't yes. understand. I don't I'm completely lost in the romance department. It's amazing I have children. If you guys want the truth. <laughs> Clueless. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> what is it? I, I watch women flirt with you, and I just stand back and I wait to feel jealous, but I don't because you are just so completely <laughs> clueless. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> I need a sign. You know, it's very clear. <laughs> It's not my fault, man. I don't know. I'm lucky I can navigate my way through life. All right. So so a date, for me, is something where both people are completely relaxed at their own. And, there's, and the emotions are allowed to be whatever they are. And if you're both kind of in the same headspace, then it's a nice romantic evening. Because no matter what you do, if you're both not in the same headspace to have a nice romantic evening, it's not going to happen. And so I think the, you know, but it also, you know, other than that, it doesn't necessarily matter. If you both like ice hockey and you go to an ice hockey game and you go have your bratwurst and your beer and you both love doing that, that can be a nice romantic evening. While other people going to a, you know, a play and dinner is is their nice romantic evening so i guess it's it really it depends upon everybody being comfortable and in the right frame of mind and, and generally happy with themselves in the relationship or at least excited about where the relationship might go that it's a nice romantic evening i guess if we were to answer that question 
So to answer the question as a general rule of thumb, as we took the long winding road to get to what is a romantic date, a romantic date is a date that is makes everybody as comfortable as they can be. Whether you're allowed to be themselves, whether you are free to be themselves, and whether you're in the headspace to enjoy that um, freedom. I suppose would be the answer. So what else we got over there? Can I hit you with a soft one? I would prefer a soft one, sure. What is your favorite item of clothing? And why is it your favorite? You have some worn out stuff. I know you I threw them all stuff. away. You did not. I did too. You have that big sweatshirt that's got a bleach stain on the front. I just that's because that's when we go camping in, in Tahoe. That's the only time I wear that. Or when it's like raining outside and I need just a shirt to slap on. It's just a winter. It's just a rough winter shirt. That's all that is. Um, as a rule of thumb, my favorite article of clothing will be a t-shirt of some form that has both a sentimental value and a comfort that for whatever reason, it fits well. It's been adapted to my ever changing body style. And, <laughs> and, but there's usually also some, I don't know, emotional attachment. Like the one I used to have, I used to play basketball in it. And so it was ripped and torn and tread and threadborne. But that was my favorite shirt because, you know, when I had knees, I played basketball in it. And so for a long time, it was hard to get rid of it. It had nothing to do with the shirt. I couldn't even wear it anymore. It wasn't even a shirt. It was some threads barely held together. But it was the shirt before I had blown up my knees. So that's why I kept it. It was sentimental. Yeah, I probably have, there's probably a few of those in there. I you go through the thing and look, I'll never wear it, but they're sentimental. Yeah. What else we got? Um, okay, here's a little harder hitting. We got one for listening to me to ramble for 20 minutes. Well, <laughs> well, I can I, vamp for I 20 think, minutes. I think you could talk about this for quite some time tell me a time that you remember what stands some a time that stands out to you when someone showed you kindness or compassion time that stands out that's hard because lots of times stand out that's actually a hard one because kindness Acts of kindness happen every day. And I don't want to say we take them for granted. Either I take them for granted. It's just maybe I do, to be honest. Because we say, because I can't think of a single act of kindness. I can think of lots of acts of kindness from family members and friends and neighbors. But a single act of kindness part of the problem is is i spent missing a lot of time locked in my house so it was acts of kindness were lack of opportunity you know except for the kindness of my family to help me go through the process of rebuilding myself now people grant me acts of kindness every day um to kind of get people who donated to my campaign is an act of kindness an act of faith um, people who support my political activities, the people who helped me with the state fair booth a few years, a couple of years ago, making sure it, it didn't have any problems. Um, lots of people had deep acts of kindness, drove all the way up here from the Bay Area to, to make sure that I wouldn't be overworked, even though I was. Um, But a single act of kindness that I can sort out without going all deep and deep personal because that involves other people and I'm not allowed to tell their stories. Because uh, there's always that. You, know, you, you can tell your story, but you can't tell other people's stories. And there's sometimes there's no way to tell your story without telling other people's story. Well, I have a story. Uh, yes. 
Well, if you have a story, there you go. Well, it's not an act of Cacton component towards me, but how, but it's a story about something that I did that made, was to me so small, but it seemed to make such a huge difference in someone's, in someone's just immediate life, their immediate situation. We were on the way to Oregon to visit my youngest daughter and we pulled over in a rest area and someone came up and said, do you have a light? And I said, yeah, here, here's an extra lighter. We had, I carry, of course I carry several lighters and they, they said, Oh my gosh, thank you. They were so thankful. They just gushed. And then they went and sat in the car and then I hear from inside the car, someone yelling, thank you. <laughs> so it's just little things. I mean, a lighter, once a stinking little lighter, you know, lit someone's day. Yeah. You just never know. Yeah, and well, I think that's important. If I can think, oddly enough, I can think of lot. I know lots of people do little things for me all the all the time, and I think that's why I'm starting to think maybe I take it, I take it for granted. I'm going to have to spend some time in meditation on that. Um, but we can think of all kinds of things that we actually do. I mean, our homeless guy, we give him all our recycling. Um, you know, when we had the grocery store down the street, some lady forgot her money and it was like 20 bucks and I had a good week working so I just paid her thing just no I got it <laughs> don't worry about it you know it was just one of those things she was flustered you could tell she was having a she was just flustered having a bad day and I've been there and so you're just going oh, I've had a good week you know what <laughs> I've had a really good week and so I'm just going to pass on my good week and so you know, we that thing kind of thing happens. We had a, you know, the soldier stayed here. The returning soldier stayed here. Our uh, adopted soldier stayed here for a, for what, about a year, as he kind of put himself back together. Um, but we're not unique. That's kind of the way interesting thing is I find out if you actually go outside and you take the time to kind of look under the covers. We're not unique. This kind of stuff happens all the time, every day, by people of all walks of life, uh, of all races, creeds, social economic status. We're not wealthy people. But yet, you know, we have, we find the, the, the way to do this. Now, we are also privileged because, you know, family has, we are in a position because of my grandfather's house, that we are in a better position than most people simply because of that fact. And we have to be blessed, and we have to love that. And, you know, we get to live in a house that is quite literally built out of love. You know, every brick in this house was laid with love. And so when I talk about, you know, love, we really get to live that on a daily basis. We get to quite literally surrounded in, in, by bricks of love. It's a, uh, it's a comforting thing. Well, they build it for your grandmother. Yes, the story goes that grandma wouldn't marry him unless he had a house. So he bought a little plot of land and the little, little spot of land is barely bigger than the house. It's not much bigger than the house. And he built her a house. They lived down the street in a in a garage. You couldn't do that today. I think her oldest son, grandma was a feminist even back then. She had already been married and divorced. And her oldest son slept in the in a tent in the backyard while the family, while the family, my mom and all of them slept in the garage, my grandpa built the house, and he worked at night. Right, he was a projectionist, and so while he was out working. Yeah, you know, it's. I think they said the only help he got was for the beam, and then he traded work for the cabinets. I guess some he traded some. He did other work for somebody, electrical work for somebody, and then he did the cabinets, or the original cabinets. I think was the was the story. So it's literally a housemaid built with love. Don't fight about what is romantic. <laughs> yes, Gail. We won't fight about it with Gail. Gail. Gail is our producer at my TV, at the TV show we play. Don't fight about what is romantic. <laughs> Point well taken. <laughs> All right. What else you got over there? Okay. We got a softer one this time. 
Okay. Okay. Who is your hero, and what qualities made them make them your choice? Well, most interesting topic for love, but well, uh, well, because your hero is somebody you 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 know you love, you worship, you know. There's a little. Well, necessarily, I don't treat heroes that sort of way. The closest hero. And we'll answer this. Let's make this short because for me, it's not really a love question, but I will answer okay. it. But I will answer it because we asked and I answer questions. My uh, The closest person I can say to his hero is George Washington. And it's actually the reason is quite simple. It's because he's one of the rare cases in history who could have been king and said no. I mean, I'm a fairly good student of history. And while I can't remember names, I can think of four people, including George Washington, that walked away. There was two in Greece, ancient Greece. There was one in the area of Prussia, and I believe there was one African king who walked away. But it doesn't happen very often. And I'm going to have to go check all that because don't trust my memory on those. But I can. There's four or five. There's not that many. I mean, I mean, history is thousands upon thousands of years old, and we can think of George Washington and maybe a couple others, and of someone who could have been king and said no because it was better for the people long term. So someone who really generally knew what was better for the people and knew it wasn't him, and knew the way forward was different than what we've done in the past. So I guess in a way he loved humanity enough to know that. No, we have to decide to go a different way, and we have to make a deliberate choice. Doesn't mean he's perfect. God knows he's a man of his time, but that's still a still, you know, that's still ahead of his time. It's still forward thinking. You know, we could argue that he wasn't forward thinking enough, and it'd be okay, but no one in history was. But that's a that's a difficult thing. I don't know. Could I do it if if the country sat there and said, "Please, please be our king"? Could I say no? I, man, that'd be hard. You know, your ego, human ego. Anyway, okay. What else you got? Well, I have I have something I want to know about. Oh, <laughs> I'm in trouble now. Discuss your first impression of each other and whether it was accurate. Hey, since when does this become a therapy session for you? I got to maybe give me back in these questions. <laughs> when did I give up asking the questions? That was a dumb idea. <laughs> Whose idea was that? <laughs> I said I wanted to know. You could pass. No, I'm not. I'm not chicken. What is it again? Okay, answer the question. We answer the question. Discuss your first impression of each other and whether it was accurate. I already had my first impression. If you want to gather your thoughts, <laughs> well, it's because you know by now that I don't think like anybody else, and so my first impressions aren't. I, as a, someone with an anxiety disorder who has to, you ignore your first impression. It's because your first impression is inevitably wrong, unless the situation is actually happened to be fundamentally dangerous. And, and so you ignore your first impression. So when someone says, what's your first impression? Oh, I thought the world was going to fucking end. And so, I mean, that's my first impression on damn near everything. Oh, I'm scared shitless. I thought the world was going to end. Man, I about crap my pants. And so I can't say that. You just did. <laughs> but that's my first impression just about anything I do, anywhere I go. And I just learned to ignore it. Well, I just don't pay any attention to it. Okay, so what was your second impression then after that? Well, this, the second impression takes took the whole evening to get through and took and actually took us getting home and to kind of process because it was okay. you know, it was a it was a kind, interesting. I mean, there was some it was actually interesting because it was not always comfortable. There was moments of tension. Right. And but yet we all still work through it. And so it was a it was the fact that we were able to kind of still work through it and still have interest at the end, which said, okay. 
it's and we, it took some time for us to learn how to be uh, open with each other as we are completely open with the R without having those defensive walls that are naturally occur, especially early on. And so, but it was the willingness for me and my impressions don't come first. So it's again, for me, it, it, it took a few weeks, but it was the willingness to kind of, okay, let's work through these things. Let's get through the initial reactions, the initial emotions and kind of work through the willingness to keep working. Is what for me, the, you know, the focus on continual improvement is the wrong word, but it's the word that comes to mind. Well, you're going to find my impression rather interesting. Uh oh, I'm in trouble. I, we were down in Old Sack, I was standing in front of the Pony Express statue, and I looked across and I saw you. What just meandering back and forth, and in you were calm, <coughs> cool, collected is what I the impression I had. You were solid as a rock, and I'm still hold that today. You are you hold it together, you are solid. So apparently, I'm a better actor than I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the lesson we learned there. Maybe I'm a better actor than I think. Or at least what's going on internally doesn't show externally as much as I think it does. I suppose is what we should. It's what if I'm going to learn a lesson from that. It's my internal struggles don't appear externally, which is something I've actually learned from going on TV that it doesn't actually come off. What seems like a long ass pause in my head is really not a long ass pause to the rest of the country, to the rest of the world. And I don't think I'm not giving you the next question. What the hell? But I've got a great one. Uh huh. What's that? All right. When do you feel most loved? When do I feel most loved? When I'm awake. Pink, Mister Smiley Pants. What? That was a good answer. I, I well, it, it's it's also true. Let's see what you're saying. Let's see what you're saying. But it, it's, it is. It's also true. It's 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 back to that. I know what it's like to feel unloved, and and a lot of that's internal. But you know, if I'm going to be honest, it's I feel loved whenever I'm awake. And I suppose if I really wanted to sit down and dissect it, I could figure out okay there's times when i feel more loved and times when i don't but you know me i don't feel like birthdays and stuff and father's day and eh. those aren't my things so i don't know i just like the daily things you know i'm a simple man i'm a simple man I need to put a camera over there because i look over that way anyway yes i have another question but i I think we answered this last week, but I, I it's still views still worth going over. Uh -huh. I think. What characteristics do you think are necessary for a strong relationship? To build a strong romantic relationship or romantic well, romantic relationship. Let's keep that on the love line. Okay. Well, a strong romantic relationship is actually it's the fundamentals are the same as any relationship you've got to be fundamentally honest but in a rom romantic relationship it comes with a second layer it's not just honesty because when, and when people say honesty it's not knowing when to be honest you know you have to know that okay today might not be the day to tell them something we may want to wait two days because he just lost his job or something and you know there's some event and it may not be the best time to tell him something so when we're talking about honesty we're talking about honesty in the grand scope the general scope not the minutia of day to day you know he's having a shitty day i'm not going to put that on them today you know <laughs> you know sometimes is it dishonest to delay probably technically but as long as it's only a delay and not, a, you know, 
not an actually putting off, I suppose. Because when it becomes to romance, it's honesty isn't enough. You have to do it in a way where you're not trying to defeat the other person. Right? When you have a disagreement with someone you love, especially in the romantic part you love, you don't want to defeat them. You've got to uh, you work with them. You love this person. You want them to be the best human being you can be because they help you become the best human being you can be. And a defeated partner, a defeated person becomes resentful and they look and they look for ways to get back and they look to win. And it becomes his own thing where you start keeping score. And, eh, it's ugly. And so you've got to find a way to disagree honorably. And so it's not just being honest. You have to be honest honorably with empathy and with, with love. And, you know, being honest in a work relationship is different because, you know, you don't have to do it with love. You say, Bob, you screwed up. What the hell happened is, you know, just being honest. And that's okay. Now, if Bob's an extra sensitive person, but he's also a good performing employee, you might want to be more gentle about it, you know, as a good leader. But you don't have to do it with love. You just want to do it because it's best for the team. Um, so do I answer the question? Or I ask completely? Yes, you do. I have kind of an addendum to that. Okay. How do you? Uh, okay. How do you handle a disagreement with a romantic partner with love? How do you handle disagreements with love? Well, first thing is, is despite the natural instinct to become defensive, fight it. Because you can't hear what someone is actually trying to say if you're defensive. Because you also have to remember, they're likely overly emotional. They've likely been bottling this up. It likely is coming out sideways, right? We'd like to talk about how sometimes, you know, if you hold things back and if you wait too long, things come out sideways. And if you respond to it coming out sideways, you're not hearing the real problem and you're not actually going to move forward and you end up with that ugly spiral. And it's easy to go, well, the other person should do it too. And you're right, they should. But somebody has to be the one to say, okay, we're being overly emotional. I have to be the one to... Say, okay, I'm going to hear this out so they can get through the emotion so we can actually get to the real problem. Because that's the hardest thing to do is, is to get past the emotional and get past the pain, get past the emotional pain of whatever the discussion is, is that you're feeling like this person doesn't understand me. This person doesn't feel me. He's not supporting me. She's not supporting me. Whatever that emotional pain is, you have to get through that so you can figure out, okay, what the hell is actually the real problem? What's that? Next question. Okay. If you want. Sure. I thought, I thought you were asking. No. Okay, I'm... now this is this this is a little sticky maybe. What do you think about couples keeping secrets from each other? Well it depends on the secrets, I suppose. Right. Not all secrets are secrets. Some secrets are just nobody's business. There's a difference, right? You know, right. Well, I, I'm 50 years old. Exa exactly what I did at 22 years old is nobody's business unless I was, you know, an axe murderer or something. And because I wasn't, it's just nobody's business. Because, again, it goes back to the I can't tell my story without telling other people's story. And so you get to that. What about like secrets within the relationship? I mean, some things, you know, I do, but it, you know, I don't, why would I talk about, you know, my personal habits, some of my personal habits? Well, it's not like you don't live here and notice them. Well, <laughs> well there's a good, well, not feeling the need to talk about something is not the same thing as keeping a secret. Uh, keeping a secret is, 
if I ask about it or if I would want to know if or if you know I have an interest and you and you're deliberately not talking about it. No. That's keeping a secret. Okay, all right. Keeping a secret. Just saying, you know, you, you know, I whatever the heck, you know, come up with whatever. I self-romance myself every Thursday evening and I don't tell my partner about it. Well, no one cares. Unless your partner is really gets upset about that kind of thing. And then that's a different discussion. But, right, it's... Eh. So there's some things. Or if you're planning a surprise birthday party. No, it's technically not keeping a secret, even though it technically is. You know, it's... <laughs> you know, life isn't binary. There's, <laughs> there's, the, there's a gray area there. And if you have trust in your relationship, if you have the trust and honesty and the openness in your relationship, when those things come up, they're not a problem. Because even if you misjudge the line a little bit, you're going to get, you're going to have, yeah, it's okay. Because you've got the whole long list of when it's important to you, to your honest. So that's where the areas where the trust is important, right? It's those gray areas where it makes trust important. It's because there is always going to be gray areas. There's gray areas in life. And if you don't have trust, those gray areas become conflict rather than just, you know, the things that happen in life. <clears throat> and I think it's time for our halftime smoke. So what else we got over there? Anything, anything fun over there? Good Lord. <laughs> I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah, but... I'm not the one. I'm, you're the one. I'm the one who done vamp philosophy over here. Vamp romantic philosophy. That's not as easy as it sounds, man. Remember, I'm just I'm just a younger version of Chong. Well, if you want, you know, this is the love line. This is, you know, late night love. I also want to know what's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten. If that's not a love question, that's the weirdest thing I've ever eaten. Yeah. Did you ask that? Is that yellow tomato? Oh my god, no, you're kidding. If you could invite one person over for dinner, who would it be? Living or dead? I don't eat. There <coughs> and that's not a love question, woman. You just talk about the love line, and then you ask a question about who would I have over for dinner. Well, you said a fun question. Okay, you want who I have over for dinner? Jennifer Lopez, as long as she doesn't make it. Come up with the next question yourself. <laughs> you asked, and I apologize, Miss Lopez. It was her fault. It's not technically true. <coughs> Actually, I apologize. I didn't. I was being snotty, and I forgot we're on the air. <laughs> This is my life. <laughs> Mr. Smarty Pants. This is my life. Yes, but you love me because of it. You to see me at 3 a.m. You're worse than a 12-year-old. Uh, I am a 12-year-old. Okay, what else we got over there? Okay. In what ways, I want to know this. In what ways do you show love? That you yourself identify as. Not, you know, because we know you're not traditional. <coughs> I have a story. I show love. By creating the conditions where you get to be. To, when I show love to you, each person gets the way I show love is individual to the person. I don't have a oh. one way for you. I try to create the conditions where you get to be the freest human being you get to be. You get to be the best lovey you are. Whatever that is. And, and when I say I get to create the conditions to best to my limited abilities. And so, you know, I understand my limitations. But I try to do my part in creating the atmosphere where you can be the best you can be. And in a sense, that's what I do for my the children and, and everybody else. I don't well, I don't have goals for them 
or a picture for them. It's whatever they want. And so when I talk about what I show love is I show love by supporting people in what they want to do. I have a story. Yeah, by the way, I ordered you a mic. Thank you. Yes. You want me to tell my story? Sure. We were first started dating. <coughs> and it was a couple of days before payday, and I was out of milk. And you were short on money too, but you brought me milk. And you said, I want you to remember this. So every time you bring me milk, I remember that. See, it's a simple thing. I try to help. I just like to help, I think, fundamentally. So did my grandpa. I think my I think it comes from grandpa. Grandpa liked to help. I think it's a family trait. Or maybe it comes from living in the house grandpa built. Uh, what characteristics do I think are necessary for a strong relationship? Oh wait. We covered that. Yeah. Okay, so a favorite book. So what was our favorite book? What book did I love? Well, oddly enough, the books I loved as a kid, you're reading to um, your grandchild right now. Encyclopedia Brown. I loved Encyclopedia Brown. I actually loved uh, mystery books for a long time. I read Agatha Christie, and I read a bunch of those. My first literary crush was Sherlock Holmes. My favorite books are all the All Creatures Great and Small series by James Harriet. I read them as a child, and I continue to reread them as an adult. They are wonderful, wonderful, timeless books. Well, I love Encyclopedia Brown because he was this little nerd, but yet he could still get stuff done. That was cool, and uh, and that girl, his. His girl, the his girlfriend, his friend that was a girl could beat people up, and that was fun. And <laughs> that was fun. I remember that. And but now that I'm adult, my favorite books are uh, Isaac Asimov's The Foundation series, just because they're so deep. You can read them from a different perspective every time you read them, and so that you know, like it's good art. It allows for uh, interpretation. And so that's why I like Isaac Asimov. It's nice and deep. Nice and deep. Good art. Open for interpretation. Speaking of, of things we love, this is the Purple Kush. It's the Purple Kush break. Right? I believe so. It's not a Great purple kush, but it's still a purple kush, and purple kush is fundamentally my favorite. If you want my favorite pot, I love to smoke the purple the purple pot. You love anything purple. Yes, I love purple. I love the color purple. I love purple pot. I love purple colors. I love I love the I think the LP should go purple and gold. Share something that makes you laugh. A joke, a story, a sound. I'm hilarious in my own head. I am. I am the funniest thing on the planet to myself. I'll tell you what. There's nothing funnier than my own head. What else we got? I'm trying to find one. You know, this has come up, you know, is there life at other planets, you know? Good. All right. Well, here we go, Bum. So let's talk about dream jobs. How do you come up with a dream job? 
How do people love their job? There's so many people out there working today. And I think I, I read a, I heard someone reference a story. Let me get this straight because I didn't read the story because I've been too busy into politics. That something like 80% of the people are miserable is too strong a word because that's not how it was phrased are unhappy at their job. Now, why they're unhappy, it's probably, a, you know, a hundred reasons, but they're unhappy with their job. But how many people are unhappy with their fundamental career? And I think it's interesting because when you've got like type A personalities have a completely different life goal than other people. And so, you know, uh, a type A isn't going to be happy at a factory job, but there's lots of people who are be perfectly happy working at a factory job for 10 years. And so I think part of the thing is you find your job is you got to understand what makes you happy. I was listening to a uh, psychologist lecture the other day. I'm trying to remember who it was Jonathan Haidt? No, no. It wasn't Peterson. It was anyway. I was listening to them, and they were talking about the different traits, the different, uh, the different traits, and and what these traits mean about um, your job preferences. It's like highly conscientious people, they call it now trait conscientious. It's not the way we think about it in the it's psychological consciousness. It's not the way we're going to think about it. And they are highly conscientious people are the ones who uh, uh, they can manage the system, shall we say. But people who are open and creative are the people who can change the system when it needs to change. We can create something. And so in a sense, it's like Steve Jobs and uh, Steve Wozniak. Steve Jobs was this creative type A personality force. But he couldn't organize a jack squat. But he had this creative sense and this creative openness that allowed him to think outside the box. Well, Bosniak was the engineer. He was a highly organized. Okay, you want this is what you want to accomplish. All right, I can do it by going A, B, C, D, and F. And he was the one who could figure out the uh, the details. And so I think to be successful in your career, successful in your job, or even successful in life, and to be truly happy and to love yourself and love what you're doing, is you've got to understand the type of person you are. I mean, it's clear at this stage, despite my anxiety issues, I'm an open and creative person, and I have trouble when it comes to uh, organization, or as uh, the lecturer said, so people like me, who are talking about people who are open and creative, he says, you're an implementation disaster. And that's pretty, <laughs> yeah, you should see her face. That's an implementation disaster. And it's true. I'm open and creative and I can have all these, I can think outside the box. I'm very good at all that. But yes, I'm an implementation disaster. I need a yin to my yang. I need someone who's the highly organized who can take that picture and turn it into something functional. And then I can actually improve it because I can think outside the box once it's created. And so it's a very strange thing. But finding what you love, I think, is is important. I have a question. Yes. What is name something that you love about yourself? love about myself I love that I continually look at introspection that I'm never completely satisfied no matter how satisfied I get with myself it's never satisfying and we were talking about it just earlier I need to spend some time thinking about it do I take the kindness of others for granted you know as much as I like to think about it and as much as I maybe do think about it I've come to the conclusion that maybe I'm I've got to consider that maybe I do take it for granted. You know, I like to say I look for it and I see it, but it doesn't mean I don't take it for granted. And so that's something I'm going to have to consider. 
I've been watching um, this YouTube channel, I guess Charisma on Command, just trying to get better at the some of the basic tasks of being a YouTube host or a TV host or a politician or you know whatever community leader, whatever roles I'm happen to be playing in the future. I've uh, you know trying to learn to be better at that craft, and so you know how I do it. I seek out different perspectives on the information I need. And and then try to learn and try to take it in and come up with my own um, path, my own way to answer those questions. That's what I do. And that's the one thing I feel like you love about myself is that I'm never completely satisfied with myself, but yet I'm not hard on myself at the same time. I don't blame myself for not being better. It's, you know, would in theory, I like to be farther along. Well, sure, but I didn't know I was dealing with anxiety disorder until 35. So, you know, it is what it is. 35, 40 years old. Yeah, it was somewhere in there. So... When you go through life treating the wrong thing, it's, you know, it's like if you've got cancer and you're treating the kidney disease, it's, you're not going to get very far, right? Come on, what's up over there? I had one question that I wasn't sure I should ask it. Why is that? I was curious. The personal curiosity. Uh-oh. What, what is the one possession you cherish the most? A possession? A possession, yeah. Something, a a thing, thing that you love. We've never discussed things on this show. A thing that I love? I don't know if it's a oh, I love a thing because all my things can be replaced. Right. I love my house. The house is if there's a thing that I love, uh, it's, it's the, the house. house. Yeah. It's the house. And it's not even necessarily the. I need it. It's just, I just love the house, isn't it? I don't really love a thing. I don't think of the world that way. I mean, I don't have a thing that I love. I don't have a, I don't have a lot of sentimental attachments to things, but you know, I had to let things go so often that maybe. You know, it's not that I don't have sentimental attachments to things. Good Lord, it's hard for me to throw clothes away for whatever reason. But it's not the same thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I, there's not much that I can think of that because I can replace everything but this house. I think. And it's one thing I can't replace is people, but people aren't things. So they don't count in terms of your question. That answers my question. All right. And we are at 1227. So we are going to call it a night. You can catch us all at, oops, wrong banner, wrong banner. There we go. Nope. No, where is it? Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm hitting wrong banners all over the place. Anyway. Where did it go? Anyway, you can go to latenightlove.us. I had a banner. It's gone. I didn't think I edited it. But anyway, you can go to latenightlove.us. It redirects you to the page where... Something is held. I should actually just kick that over to the Anchor FM page, shouldn't I? Anyway, you can catch us. I'll fix all that one, one of these days as we get through. Um, anchor FM, anchor.fm slash late night love. You can leave us a uh, message. We'll play it or answer your questions. Um, catch us next week, Friday, no, Saturday nights, 11.30 p.m. Pacific time. On our Facebook page, it'll go on our Facebook page next time and not my personal page because we actually have a Facebook page. 
you can look for it. And it will go on our YouTube page, Late Night Love. But, of course, the YouTube algorithms have give you trouble finding it. Please do us a favor and click like, subscribe, and share, and all that good stuff. And please to remember to love everybody. And we will see you next week.